This podcast is presented by State Farm, a proud supporter of women's soccer and all women's sports. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Have you ever been with Lindsay at closing time of a pub? Well, when I was coaching, for sure not. Um, <laughs> but I think like Lindsay would be a lively table dancer at some point. I think she would. She'd be up there with with a few beers yes. leading the charge. That's leadership. Oh, I love it. From Apple News, I'm Rebecca Lowe. And I'm Brendan Hunt. And this is After the Whistle. Last night, the U.S. salvaged a 1-1 draw with the Netherlands. And we have a lot of thoughts. (laughs) Plus, U.S. coaching legend Jill Ellis joins to give her take on the biggest challenges facing the U.S. from now and what they can expect out of Portugal. Reminder, as ever, there will be adult language. Brendan. Rebecca, USA Holland. It did not disappoint, really, as a match, frankly. Maybe maybe not quite enough goals to qualify as, like, full-on fireworks, but they were also fireworks, nonetheless. Well, it was tense, wasn't it? I think when you're in it, like you are, with the USWNT, we'll get to the nicknames later, <laughs> um, because, by the way, I've had a few. Um, I think, and it's the same with England, I think it's actually quite difficult, Brendan, to gauge whether it's a good game or not. If you're so invested in it and it's that tense, which yesterday was because America trailed for so long, I think it's difficult to know whether it's a good game. You just know that it's good because every single second of it to you is engaging. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially to, like, to some degree, I guess I I wasn't expecting Holland to be quite this good, mm. especially in the first half. Because in that 2019 final, it did not feel like an even match. They maybe were not at their best or what have you, but I still have memories of that in my head. But obviously, they came out very, very strong uh, in the first half. So uh, let's get into it. Well, well, before we get into the first half, you're right. They were super aggressive. Can we talk about the fact that he didn't make any changes? Because that obviously happened first off the bat. The team news comes in and he names the same starting 11 of Vlatko Andonovsky, which, by the way, the last time the USA started the same starting 11 in consecutive group games was 1999. This is a rarity. It's not to say you have to make changes in the group stages, Brendan. It's just massively surprising. We'll get on to that in a second. So here you are, you get the team news in, same team. Thoughts? On the one hand, I thought, because all the chatter is about like, what changes is he going to make? And I kind of love when coaches go counter to what chatter is. I'm sure he didn't do it because of the chatter, but like, you know, oh, here's how many changes I'm going to make. No changes. <laughs> Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. My name is Vlatko. Not, not very good Vlatko impression. Um, and um, so I thought it was cool, but like, you know, there's there's voices out here that are like, okay, now that now people are tired already. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I would have thought a little bit that a lineup that was coming out for Vietnam would have had changes in mind for Holland. That's for sure. But I don't know. On some level, I kind of respected it. It just matters now. What will he do for, you know, Portugal, who cannot be underestimated? They can win the group or at least beat us. So now you can't mess around with the B team against Portugal, as you might have fantasized about doing had we won the first two games. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's one of the things I'm really excited to ask Jill Ellis about our guest today a little bit later. Like, what would she do going into this Portugal game? So, you're right. Those changes. And then we'll get on to the lack of subs later, shall we? Let's get on to the lack of subs later. Let's start <laughs> with 
your first half and and how you felt as that game as you say holland very much aggressive taking it to america sure all right well my first note was um oh interesting vleko hasn't changed the lineup let's talk about that <laughs> literally right here I was literally Check. about to start with that okay i'm great Check. the first you know 20 minutes or so just felt like the dutch were kind of super comfortable <laughs> you know yeah and my gosh they're just so technical and so comfortable. Every single player just was completely unfussed about, well, about having the ball, uh, but about the occasion at all. And it really felt like the U.S. was huffing and puffing here. Your two-time champion, U.S., was huffing and puffing, and Holland gave no fucks. Uh, gosh, hold on. I'm trying to remember. What, what's the Dutch word for no fucks? Geen nokjes. Geen nokjes. Amazing. Uh, van mijn Nederlandse vriendinnen. But yeah, did you get that sense at all in the, in the first half? Yeah. But I, you know why? I wonder whether that was a mixture of we can't understate the way that the US women's national team are the draw at this World Cup. They are, other than Australia, they are the main draw. It's what every podcast in every country are talking about in their other bits and bobs, let's be honest, right? It's how are USA going in their bits and bobs. And so if you're Netherlands, you're going into it as slightly in the shadow, which is not a terrible place to be because you can actually gain confidence from that. You get that underdog mentality. The manager probably instilled that in them as well. Plus, I just wonder whether they watched Vietnam game and they were like, hmm, all right, not massive amount. Okay, Sophia Smith, we've got to worry a little bit about her, but not a massive amount for us to worry about right now. Then they see the team news drop and it's the same team from Vietnam. So it's not like they've chucked in Rosabelle from the beginning or, or chucked in Lynn Williams or whatever. And I wonder whether that gave them another boost as well, which all culminated, Brendan, in that first 20 minutes of like looking like you say, completely unfussed and whatever that the Dutch word is. Zero, you know what? Geen... <laughs> Nokia's, uh, which by the way is, is, well, technically accurate Dutch, is not a Dutch phrase. Um, So then that'll lead to the, you know, in the 17th minute, we get a really well-worked team goal, you know, that started from all the way back, just sliced their way through with little resistance, you know, and they had pulled the U.S. defense out of shape somehow, like suddenly in that moment, there was just a little window there of the U.S. looking like they were collectively thinking, where am I supposed to be right now? <laughs> and then yeah. in that moment, there you go. And Julie Ertz, I have to say, had a decent first half, especially. And we've, you know, we've talked about the Julia centre-half situation. You know, I, I'm not going to blame her. I mean, she's, she's very experienced and has played that position many times. But I just, I just, I just don't know if I like this plan. I just don't know, just to sort of just diverge slightly off the goal. It just makes me think about the centre-half plan. I'm, I'm not saying that Lana Cook alongside Naomi Goma is the right decision either. don't know. I think we should have maybe found another defender before the World Cup came around. I just don't know if I like this plan. Without Julie Ertz, I think there could have been more goals, actually. She did really well in that first half. But I don't know. It's just not sitting with me in a comfortable fashion. The defence. Crystal Dunn was out of position quite a lot too. Just the whole, don't know, just feeling a nervous about that back line. And I, actually, that's kind of what we talked about pre-tournament, Brendan, was that was maybe going to be the the place. I mean, they only considered one goal. Let's not go crazy. But just a little bit doesn't feel super settled and super grooved. It's one thing to not change the lineup at all. Yeah. It's another to only have one sub. Oh, God. You know, like. Oh, God. <laughs> 
I mean, have we got there already? Can, can we go with it? I mean, cart before the horse, but like, you know, but the, I mean, the, you talk about Julie Ertz is what makes me think this. I mean, we were told that, you know, Megan and Rose are going to be on uh, minutes restrictions and that Julie's going to still work her way back into things. Well, but now, unlike Megan and Rose, Julie's played 180 minutes. So if the plan has been actually to rest Alana Cook for later bigger games, then okay, I guess. <laughs> I no, guess uh, but that's you know. why, exactly. That's why I'm like, that. I don't think that is the plan. He was, afterwards, Vlatko was like, pretty delighted. And I'm, I'm very confused about the substitutions thing because, of course, Roosevelt comes on at halftime. She, like you said, she's been given a 45-minute restriction situation because she's coming back from injury. Mm, okay, mm, okay. A lot of people wanted her to start. I'm not in the camp. I wanted her to start. She came on a half time. She made a massive difference, got the assist. What a ball that was. Then you get towards the end of the game. I know I'm jumping ahead, but I just can't help it. I'm very confused when you're when you're trying to win the group and you're 1-1 and you're not playing brilliantly. Second half, definitely better than first, right? Trinity Robin is out on her feet. Lynn Williams, who is super sub extraordinaire, I mean, she's more than that, but she's brilliant off the bench, is sitting there Bum on the bench, waiting to come on. I mean, as are many others. You mentioned Megan Rapino. Game changers. And he's like, you know, afterwards he was asked, he's like, you know, I just felt that like we were in a really good rhythm and I just didn't want to disrupt that. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. I don't think the rhythm was that great. And Manchester City are in amazing rhythms. They're the best team in the world. They get into amazing rhythms all the time. He still throws on subs. It wasn't about breaking the rhythm. It was about trying to win the game. Yeah. That was bizarre. And in a manner of speaking, breaking rhythm is kind of what led to the U.S. goal, the, the rhythm break yeah. that was Danielle Van yeah. Dunk deciding to uh, throw herself into her club teammate, Lindsay Horan, on the sideline, leaving, leaving Horan in a bit of a heap for a while, a heap that only grew angrier as her recovery set in, <laughs> and then only a couple minutes later, Haran just going at Van de Dunk in the box as Rose Lavelle is waiting to take a corner. Heated words, back and forth. The referee pausing to bring them to come together. I thought the referee was going to make them like shake hands and or hug, which would have been ridiculous and spectacular. <laughs> they are uh, apparently great friends, but it did not look like it in that moment. I agree. The referee looked like she wanted it to be all like, cute, cute, cute. Let's just do lots of cuteness. Like it was, it was like, what are you doing, referee? No, like let them have a little bit of a punch up. I'm fine with that. Absolutely fine with that. Going back to what you said about Lindsay Horan a couple of episodes ago, and you were talking about how like you really love her and you feel like she'd be the one to be like, oh, this bar's closed. Let's go to the next one. I know where it is. I've got a good feeling about her. I've got this tournament, this captaincy, the two goals now, the way she had that little contretemps. Nice. Thanks. She's got feist. She has got grit. It's written all over her face. She's got what I think, if you're going to go far, should I say we, if we're going to go far? I don't know if I'm ready you, for You've that. been doing it. You've been doing it, actually. Have you've, I? I've you've been only slipping. just noticed it, but it, we're, we're, <laughs> we're a couple of us and we's into it on this podcast, and uh, I'm just going with it. You know, I, am, I dig it. I think it really depends on how you play as whether it's you or we. Um, today, I think it's you. Yeah, I have a feeling if the USA are going to go far in this tournament, she is going to be a massive part of that. I just got a good feeling about Haran. So then the uh, end of this chapter is, <laughs> as Lindsay Haran is still shouting invective at Danielle Van der Donk, who's like trying to smile it off because, you know, why wouldn't she? She's winning one nothing, And uh, to her credit, Ali Wagner on the broadcast says, best thing Haran could do here is score. And my God, 
there she is, <laughs> soaring through and driving the header in and getting us to 1-1, which, is, of course, is where it would remain. And yeah, I did say it before, and I stand by this, Lindsay Horan is the one who knows when the 2 o'clock bar closes where the 3 o'clock bar is. And <laughs> I, got, I got a further picture of her in that moment during this because I felt like, you know, yeah, the 2 o'clock bar is closed and people are starting to look tired. And Lindsay gathers everyone on the sidewalk and says, it's Terry's birthday! It's Terry's birthday! <laughs> Terry's mom died this year. I want to see all smiles on your fucking faces. Tonight is for Terry. It's not about you. It's not about you. We've all been there. All right? Everybody with me? And everyone goes, yeah! (laughs) We've all been with Terry. Phil knows a secret biker bar in a cornfield that's open till five. That's where we're going. (laughs) Right. And that is a captain. That's right exactly. There. Oh, and it was a captain's goal too. Like that, I, oh. I always love that term, captain's goal. It's sort of like, you know, you can't quite quantify it, but it just she's so she's so impressive. And if you know, it's only been two matches, so yes, we've only had four goals, and they've been by two people. But that doesn't mean that you know Alex Morgan is not still going to have her coming out party here, or uh, or or anyone else for that matter. But still, Lindsay Horan is 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 pulling everybody up. Bye. The bootstraps. I thought. I thought the um, obviously she was offside, but I thought the Alex Morgan goal, the way she took it, the offside goal was was classic Alex Morgan, and I was yeah really bummed for her because just get the sense she needs one, Brendan. She just needs one. Absolutely. You know, it's only two games. I know. I know it's only two games. I know it's not a big deal, but obviously with the missed penalty, I just get that sense that her getting a goal would lift USA. I feel a version of that with Rodman, which is like she's just you know the water rising behind the wall of a dam like Robin just feels like this is like this all these like almost you know and you know she may not get the chance to continue she could be replaced at any moment being as young as she is and not quite having delivered so far but yeah I get the sense with her like once she gets one she gets 20 um but possibly wishful thinking Brendan what what's your you're good at this you're good at the bracket you're good at a lot of things but one of my favorite things about you is I never have to look at a bracket because you always tell me so what happens with the first and second situation in terms of like how big a drop is it and how scary is it if they were to finish second the win group E they will play the runner-up of group G who's likely to be Italy at this time outside chance of uh, South Africa maybe okay so that's good that's but if good. they lose then they're likely playing Sweden not good um okay. who are of course a much bigger issue so it's definitely preferable to win the group but mm. it might be out of their hands now I mean they could still beat Portugal and lose on goal difference uh, we're getting the card before the horse card before the horse um I mean, there wasn't too much of note after the uh, the Haran Vandedonk situation and the Haran goal. All I have here is oh, massive block by Ertz in like oh. the 80th minute. She yeah, she had a good game. That was that was match saving. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it she's was. for sure contributing. Um, just I hope she's yeah. not running out of battery too soon. And yeah, there was a big chance from Rodman shortly after that. Uh, we should mention after the match, again, club teammates Vandedonk and Haran were taking a selfie. They're hugging. They're smiling. Uh, they're competitors. They get it. You know, it's the end of Terry's birthday. Danielle, I'm sorry I was mad at you. Sorry I was mad at you before. I thought you were going to leave, and I just really didn't want you to leave. And I wanted you to stay so bad that I just, I got, it's because I love you. Uh, so, yes, they're, they're all friends, and they're all fine. And perhaps we'll meet again in yonder final. So, uh, in the end, uh, a rematch of finalists that 
proved to be a little more of an even-steven situation than we could have really anticipated. Oh, except for one thing, we did anticipate it, Rebecca. <gasps> You're right! We both predicted a 1-1, and just confirming for everyone out there that Rebecca and I, again, we've only met twice, and yet somehow our synergy creates... <laughs> <laughs> Unstoppable, predictive football genius. You're welcome. Have we really only met twice? Yes, twice. <gasps> that is incredible, isn't it? But you're right. Amazing, great minds think alike synergy, you know, beautiful <laughs> happenings. Just incredible. So yeah, 1-1. One, one. Yeah. So if anyone wants to bet, are you allowed to bet in America? Probably not allowed to say that. Anyone wants to bet, ask us. <laughs> no, do not. Do not ask us. I do not accept that responsibility. <laughs> This podcast is presented by State Farm, which believes in amplifying the voices and profiles of women athletes. By ensuring coverage for female athletes today, State Farm helps set the stage for women's sports tomorrow. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, please welcome our special guest. She is the most qualified person to talk about the U.S. women's national team at a World Cup, having led the team for more games than any other human being in world history, having accumulated more wins, oh, and having won just the two World Cups back-to-back in 2015 and 2019, the legendary Jill Ellis joins us. Jill, you're Ooh. coming to us live Ooh. from San Diego. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All of the above. Now that's where you are, president of the San Diego Wave. But you will have watched, I know. Oh, yeah. USA. Oh, yeah. Of course. I mean, I personally don't know where to start. Brendan, I'm going to hand it over to you. <laughs> and uh, hand it over to the assistant coach. He's got this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like on a personal level, what is it like? Because now you're in like, I would assume is like the sort of hardest part of having stepped down. You know, now we're at the big dance again after you had done not only the last one, but the last two rather successfully. What is it like to, to be trying not to armchair quarterback the current matches? Well, yeah, a bit of FOMO, I'm not going to lie. You know, obviously I made a lot of friends in the coaching ranks. So, you know, I've been texting with with some of my friends and just obviously wishing them the best and cheering them on. So, yeah, a little bit. It's definitely an odd feeling. I think one of the things that's just been so eye-opening to me is when you're always in the bubble, you never see all the madness that goes on around it. And to see the, you know, the TV and the hype and the, you know, I remember sitting on the bus and the helicopter was tracking us. I'm like, what the hell? They must be bored for content, right? If they're... <laughs> But now I see it from the other lens and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. It's a lot of hype. So, but yeah, I mean, obviously enjoying it as a, as a soccer fan, but it's very different. Yeah. So, okay. So let's get into the Netherlands game. Yep. Just tell us what you thought. Listen, I think going into, uh, as a coach, I mean, I know the narrative you're shaping, right? You're always going to say, hey, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be adversity. And certainly I think this game was uh, was that. It was a challenge. But on the flip side to that, you want to go into the knockout rounds having had a challenging game because if you go in sort of really untested, that's also problematic. But, you know, as, as far as the performance, I thought the first half, you know, we definitely struggled with, I think, the shape of the Netherlands. We didn't really get a lot of pressure on their back line. And then with their numbers in the midfield, they were able to play through us. And, and I think a little bit, we were sort of chasing it a little bit. But I think the the goal that we gave up was, um, 
yeah, I think there was opportunities in there that we'd want back, meaning opportunities to clear a ball, opportunities. I think we were too narrow when the when the initial ball went wide on the first attack. I think we were a bit narrow. And I don't know how nerdy you want me to be on this. But, <laughs> but you as know, that, nerdy as you want. Okay, Get perfect. granular, Jill. We want it. Yeah. So the, listen, the back line was super narrow and then they were able to play that ball back. And, you know, we had an opportunity to clear it. So there's, you know, there's things when you look in this game that, you know, as a, as a coach, you would say you knew what shape they, they were going to play. Um, so you probably had to have thought about how you wanted that to look in terms of how you were going to press them and how you were going to exploit them. So I definitely think that, you know, the second half, Rose coming in, gave us uh, a little bit more in that midfield. I think we pushed on the outside backs, which, again, I think allowed more time on the ball for our centre backs to set play. I think there's some really special players out there. But, you know, I think overall, I listen, you you, you got to got to get three points. That's the goal. So if I came away from that game and when you know the players, you can stand in front of them and say all these positive things. But ultimately, yeah, they're going to be disappointed if not getting three points from that match. Um, so now it's just making sure you get the psyche right for the next game. So looking ahead to the next U.S. match against Portugal on Tuesday, how are you feeling? What should we be looking for? I watched Portugal this morning and they're good. They're a well-oiled machine. They know their system. They know their identity. So they're going to be challenging. Are they capable of beating the U.S. and knocking the U.S. out potentially of this tournament? I still think we've got so much more firepower. And I think set pieces we're always going to have with such an aerial presence like Haran and Ertz, we're always going to have the advantage. So if I'm their coach, I'm, you know, I'm saying minimize set pieces. You you can't, uh, you can't give up set pieces, but in terms of how they play, I think they're going to have quite a bit of the ball. I think they're, um, like I said, they play out of a diamond. They've played it for years. This coach has been in charge for almost nine years. So they have a very established way of playing. And, um, I don't think they're going to be easy. Uh, I played against them in, I think it was maybe 19, and uh, we beat them 1-0. So they're, they're a tough opponent. Jill, the lack of substitutes I've talked about on this podcast this morning already, yep. Yep. kind of quite baffling. So obviously Rose came on at halftime, made a, made a big difference. Yep. It's quite unusual in this day and age to go through the rest of the game and not get to whether it be the 60-minute mark or then 75 or then 80 onwards or then basically in stoppage time and, and put some subs on. What did you make of it as it was unfolding? Were you kind of saying, let's get Lynn on or let's get Megan? Like, what, what were you, you know, tell us about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think you've got, again, I think our depth is, you know, people used to say, how are you going to win the World Cup? And I talk about our depth. I still think we've got a very deep roster. So yes, you know, when you get to a coach, you feel like it's just a little bit stuck. You, you certainly want to try play a different card and try something different. You know, I thought the last 15 minutes the game actually would have been perfect for Rapino because it was one-way traffic. We had them pinned in. It really just, you know, and Megan is arguably one of the best set-piece takers in the world. I think she's one of the best deliverers of the ball from wide areas. So when you've got a team that's on their back foot, you got them pinned in, you want that quality world-class service coming from the flank. So she would have been a natural thought in there. You know, Lynn, Lynn again, she's she's in form. She's playing well. Yeah, maybe bring her in for Rodman and, and give her some time out there on the right side. You know, and you're also managing minutes, right? You've got players in there right now that have done back-to-back 90s. And it's a long tournament. I always say you want to try and at least take one game off their legs if possible. Well, once you hit the knockout rounds, it's just not possible. Did you see anything from Holland in that game that made you go, uh-oh, oh, I hope no one else does that? I mean, listen, I thought, I mean, hopefully I can say this. I thought it was pretty ballsy of the coach to play a back three against us. I mean, that was a, it was a bold statement. And obviously, you know, he's probably seen something in us and looked to exploit 
a certain area of the field, you know, obviously the, the massive numbers centrally. And listen, Portugal's going to have four in the middle. They play out of a diamond. They're going to have two forwards and four in the middle. So again, we will technically be numbers down. So I would say that that's something you need to adjust in terms of how you want to defend that. Netherlands had double pivots. So they play with a back three and then they play with double pivots. Double pivots when you're sometimes hard to defensively manage because you've got to be pretty coordinated in how you press. I think our press wasn't that coordinated. I think at times, um, you know, I think Alex is one of the most industrious defenders, even though she plays obviously as, as a forward. I mean, she worked so hard. There were moments where it just wasn't coordinated enough where, you know, she would initiate and then you need that next trigger. You got to read that next trigger because I think we could have, we could have caused a lot more turnovers, but I definitely think the numerical superiority for the Netherlands, Netherlands will be something that, you know, opponents look at in terms of how they could exploit that. So whether they, you know, if they play a 4-3-3, perhaps they bring, now they play with a false nine, they bring a forward back in to again create more numbers centrally. So, you know, that's the chess game when you get to this level. Half time on Fox, Carly Lloyd questioned the team's heart, which I'm sure by the end of the game, um, Jill, she probably changed her mind on that because second half was so much better. Just take us into the mentality of how difficult it is when you are the favorites at a tournament like that and when you are what everyone else is talking about. I mean, it, it is, but even when I took over as a head coach, you have no misconceptions about what the expectations and standards are. So what I would say to you is that is managed internally. You know, I think when I was there in 19, I had Pino talk to some of the younger ones. You know, we had, I think we had 10 debutantes. Talk to them because... I think it, it, you try and humanize that feeling that, hey, it's okay to be anxious. It's okay to be stressed. But again, for a coach, like, you know, I was asked, I think, in the quarterfinals uh, against France, the reporter asked me, you know, you're playing the home team. It's going to be a, an unfriendly crowd. You're number one in the world. How's your team going to manage the pressure? And I just said, I said, we, we live in pressure every day and our opponents are going to visit it for 90 minutes because the environment you have the training environment there, it's its so robust, it's so competitive that, you know, players have to almost live on that knife's edge in there to, to make it through. So I think it's an environment that the players going into that understand, certainly the coaches understand. I mean, the reality is I remember in 2015, I remember our president saying to me, I don't like the color silver. It was pretty clear, you know, what the expectation was. So, um, wow. you know, but I think, I think you, you know, as I used to say to the players, you're built for this. And the bigger the moment, the bigger you will perform. So I think that that's part of the expectation of being in there. But one of the things that, you know, was important for us as a staff was to make sure that our players were very much when you're in the cooker and it's absolutely madness, right? And you're on the rope. So there's these moments. What are the things that we can lean on? What are the principles that we lean on? What is the preparation that we lean on in that moment? Because again, as a coach, you, you know, at times you can't call a timeout. So the players in there have to have, you know, firm principles to lean on and understanding and coordination. And I think, you know, the challenge with this team is the coaches said this, they haven't had many minutes on the pitch together, which, you know, going into a World Cup, I would say, yeah, they should have had more minutes. You know, as, as you're planning this over a four year cycle, looking at players, I think that's a tough thing to put on players when they haven't played or it's their first cap. 
I just have one more question. Really, I, it might become a two-parter, depending on your answer. I reserve that right. It, it feels like, <laughs> you know, a couple of players sort of rising into themselves so far, and but particularly you know, Lindsay Horan is rising into the captain's role. Uh, are you enjoying watching that flowering, I guess? Very much so. I mean, Lindsay is a player that I think she has very high standards of herself, but I think she's also someone that can set those for others. And she's, you know, she's had tremendous experience. So, yeah, I mean, it was... It was important. Obviously, she got pissed off yesterday and, and really made a statement with, again, her aerial presence. But yes, to see her mature, you know, she was one of the players. We, she was a game changer for us in 2019. She's gone to Europe. She's, you know, put herself in situations where she's continuing to grow as a player. So it's, it is. It's, it's very pleasing to see her in this leadership role because, um, again, she is probably arguably one of the most experienced players, you know, outside of uh, Alex and, and Pino and Kelly on that roster. Well, my part two of that then, uh, have you ever been with Lindsay at closing time of a pub and that she launched into action in a way that you, you expected that she would? Well, when I was coaching, for sure not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's kind of, it's funny. Like sometimes your brain goes there, right? As a coach, you're like, yeah, I could hang with that person, you know, because, you know, when it's all, when all is said and done, um, <laughs> So uh, listen, I think yeah, I think like Linz would probably Linz would be a lively table dancer at some point. I think she would she'd be up there with with a few beers yes. leading the charge. So now nah, Lindsay Lindsay's just an amazing human being. Um, yeah, she'd be fun. <gasps> oh, I love it. Okay, all right, I'm going to be mean. So I'm, this is a mean moment, right. Jill. It's it. a mean mean it. question. Yep. Um, if you were head coach once again, going into Portugal game, do you name the same eleven like Blacko's done for the last two games? Or are you going to make a change? And if you're making a change, can you tell us what you'd do? Ooh, put me on the spot. Um, would I make a change? Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, listen, I probably would would plan on going with a start. Listen, I think if you know a player like Rose Lavelle has only got 45 in her, the decision then is do you start her right. or do you bring her in? You know, I think what, what maybe you look at is you don't want to get behind but also sometimes as a coach, you want the sting out of the game if a player is kind of reintroducing himself and they're coming back off injury. So I would definitely would start Rose in this game. I think, you know, the the spaces in the midfield are going to be tight with with uh, Portugal's shape. She's just that player. I mean, I always, I boil it down so simple. It's dribble past you. I mean, she can, she can run at players, she can pull the trigger and she can uh, facilitate for others. She can do it all. So I would certainly bring her into that starting lineup. So interesting. So interesting. Coach, thank you so much for being here. You have graces with your presence and you have elevated our discourse. And uh, <laughs> I feel like a better person just for having had you on my screen for a little bit. Thank you so much. You're the best, Jill. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. We have to take a quick break. Stay with us. On or off the pitch, women athletes deserve to be recognised for being awesome competitors and for being inspiring role models for generations to come. That's why State Farm is proud to present this podcast. Like a good neighbour, State Farm is there. Our Bits and Bobs starts in a perilous place for co-host Australia after a shock loss to Nigeria, 3-2. And now Australia, still without Sam Kerr, who was on the bench this time at least, but did not enter the game. Australia perilously close to being knocked out of their own tournament. 
Well, especially as their final group game is against Canada, who you know, showed some real character last time out, which means that on Monday somewhere, I mean, goodness only knows where, Monday in Australia, I don't know, it could be Monday in America, Monday, somewhere in the ether, on that Monday, someone is going out, which is going to be a shock. Now that Nigeria have done so well, if they go out, it be shocked. Same with Canada, obviously, and it will be disappointing and a shock if Australia go out. But Sam Kerr, as you say, was on the bench, which means she's going to start. Because quite frankly, they can't not start her, can they? They can't not start her against Canada. And I have a feeling that when you are as talented as Sam Kerr and have been held back due to injury, like she has had to have been held back these last couple of weeks, she will be chomping at that bit, that bit and bob, and she is going to take Australia through. I would be fearful if I was a Canadian fan. Unless she just can't go, though. You know, like if she's legit hurt or but there's nothing to lose sure there's stuff to lose like your calf like your literal calf to lose (laughs) she was on the bench right you said she was on the bench she was on the bench but if she was well enough to play she clearly would have gotten in they not only had her on the bench but like they were they were down 2-1 by the 65th minute yeah but but monday's last chance saloon Monday's last chance saloon but i don't think they're going to risk her career either you know she can't go she can't go so i mean calf schmaff it's fine just get her out she does go in and obviously she will be desperate to get in then yeah canada you you, you've picked a bad time to play australia (laughs) so we'll see how that goes yeah i mean this is becoming a long bit and bob about group b but uh both bit and bob start with b so i'm comfortable with it um Just like a classic little football thing that happened in both these last two games in this group, but Canada, Ireland, where Ireland was up one nothing, and then Australia, Nigeria, where Australia was up one nothing, and Australia had just scored on the forty sixth minute, you know, first minute of uh, at a time in the first half. But both Nigeria and Canada then scored the like last goal before halftime goal, and my gosh, both of them were just incredibly powerful momentum swings. Your classic. You know, when, you're, when your team is down, coming to halftime, like, come on, just nick one. Just nick one. And in both cases, Canada and Nigeria did so. And it, that momentum carried them all the way through. It's the age-old adage. Is it? What's the adage? Hit, hit it. Great time to score. I mean, the number of times I've asked that of a manager at post-game. And, you know, you scored in the 45 plus four. Great time to score. It is. It's just a great time to score because it changes everything in the dressing room. Everything. Sadly, this has uh, eliminated the girls in green, <sighs> Republic of Ireland, which isn't a shock to most people, but I can't, I'm kind of remember. Did you, had you said anything about them I mean, at the beginning of the tournament? I mean, okay. So when we're talking about dark horses, you're going out on a limb. You're going out, you're, you're taking a risk with your prediction. So I sure, thought, sure, sure, you know, sure, 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 sure. I'd go for the Republic of Ireland because I, you know, because I just thought that they had a bit of spirit and the Irish do love a bit of spirit and they actually didn't perform terribly, but you're right. My little dark horse is galloping back to Galway. Yours? Annoying, annoying for me. You've won the first of these little... I know you said you can't actually literally win a dark horse race, but in my mind, you can. Two little dark horses, you've won it. Uh, Prediction-wise, moving forward, I think we're going to have to go two different predictions because I would like to win that. Not that I'm competitive in any way, shape, or form. Any way, shape, or form. But um, I would like that to be something that I could win. So you've won the dark horse race. I would say that I went first with a prediction of the USA with 1-1. So I'm probably going to, maybe I just take that as a win. Maybe it is now. If I, I've won one, you've won one. Sure. If you sleep better with that, then I want I you do. to have that. Yeah. Oh, please, thanks, Brenda. Go, go right, right ahead. But Nigeria, go Nigeria. My new, my new dark horse. 
yeah, they they only need a draw and they will advance. But Ireland's going to be playing for pride, so Nigeria could also still conceivably be knocked out. But that Canada Australia game, there's fireworks Ugh. coming there. Bring it on. Um, uh, we of course uh, started a little something last episode, Ms. Lowe, about mm-hmm. nicknames. I've got some. I've been okay, collating right. them. Uh, people have been sending them in, right? So, so yeah, yeah, I have not been collating. collating. No, we probably created the word and it's collating. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go down my list of names. So we asked people to send them to our Instagram inboxes. Always dangerous. And I have got a few, right? So I'm just going to just throw them out. So um, the Star Span Gals. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I think it's good to have <laughs> silly ones, by the way. I think having silly ones is important. We can't take this too seriously. So it's on the list. Star Span Gals. Okay. Lady Liberties. Shouldn't it be Liberty Ladies? Anyway, Lady no, Liberties. Good, good Good point. But, you know, the, the Statue of Liberty is Lady Liberty. So maybe Ladies Liberty? No, Maybe something there. Go on. Um... Okay, somebody sent me a message saying, nickname suggestion for both the U.S. Women's National and the U.S. Men's National Team, just the Eagles. I'm like, uh, I think you'll find there's a club out there who's yeah. already called the Eagles, so I yeah. think we'll stick with Palace. Um, another one, the United States Golden Eagles. It's too long. It's too long. It's too wordy. Um, the Lady Aries. Aries are a term for a group of Eagles. Brendan, I mean, our listeners are so bloody intelligent. The Goats. I think that's a little bit too, yeah. I mean, you can't be the goats if you don't win the World Cup. Yeah, you also can't be the goats if you wear red and white stripes in soccer because Chivas exists and uh, and goats has been taken. Daughters of Liberty, the First Ladies. It's quite nice. Mm. That's quite nice, isn't it? The First Ladies. Mm-hmm. That came from Joyce Peterson. Hold on, Joyce. And my last one is Five Star Generals. Or the scoring eagles. I'm going to go so far with um, the first ladies. Have you got any? I'll got one here for um, the Riveters, which, you know, there's a lot of options of what you could do with Rosie the Riveter. And I like Rosie the Riveter because, like, it's uniquely American. You can't just call them the Rosies because sometimes we have someone named Rose and that'll be weird for them. Um, I also have from Sarah Spain, again, who did not like soccer daughters at all. Sarah Spain suggested vigilantes which I thought was a bit heavy, but we'll put it out there. We'll put it in the mix. A little serious. Maybe a little serious, but thanks, Sarah. We like it. Any more? You got more? I had one more, okay. personally, from me, which is uh, the Harleys, for two reasons. One, evoking uh, the the very American Harley Davidson, but then also, like, Harley Quinn, because, you know, like, oh, so adorable, so adorable, so sweet, and also an assassin who will murder you. And our <laughs> national team, are they a bit like a motorcycle gang of assassins, possibly, possibly. So I'm throwing Harleys, throw like Harley's on the list. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Keep them coming in. You're Brendan Hunting on Instagram. And what are you on Twitter? The same, Brendan Hunting. Okay. And I'm not on Twitter because it's mean. And I'm on Instagram at Rebecca Lowe TV. Keep them coming in. Be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, where you can also rate and review us. It really helps people find the show. And for round-the-clock tournament news, scores, and standings, check out My Sports on the Apple News app, where available. If this podcast does not lead to us at a bar with Lindsay Horan at closing time right? somewhere in rural Colorado, then why the fuck are we doing this? <laughs> I feel like we're now creating her into like a whole nother human, like that we've never met. <laughs>